0: Hey, Rich Paramount, welcome to our podcast. We really hope this message encourages and challenges you as you walk with the Lord every day. Enjoy this message. Amen. I'm just, uh, I'm honored to be up here. I just, you know, I, I, I it's hard to to know if I'm actually going to preach. The worship was so amazing today. Can we give a hand to the worship team? It was I was like, man, am I gonna get called off? Am I gonna? It's happened a couple times to to some of us, and I just like, man, God, do you want me to speak tonight, or you just you do all the talking? And so I hope that God is gonna do that this this evening, and I'm confident that He will. I want to welcome everyone that's here; those of you joining us online, thank you so much for joining us. Please like and share this uh, this video. Uh, But I'm just excited. I want to read. A lot of scripture with you tonight. I'm very excited to be up here, um, and, and uh, I, I've been in this series. We've been in this series all in, and I think there's a, a common denominator in a lot of the messages we've heard already, and it's really this commonality of fear. I think a lot of us are scared to just kind of dive in. It's it's very similar to when you're going to go swimming, right? And the water's just a a little colder. You're just not sure of the temperature. You don't want to just dive in, right? Well, some of us are crazy. I, I like to dive in, because um, that's the best way to get adjusted to the water, right? But when but when you're worried about the water, it's tough to just dive in. And I think it's the same thing with God. I think when you accept Jesus into your life, you're met with a lot of different understandings of God and what I should do. What does God think? What does the Father think? What is His character? And because you don't know these things, you're afraid to dive in. You're afraid to go all in. And so before I go any further, I just want to pray, and then we'll get right into it, all right? Let's just bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Jesus, for the opportunity to study your word. Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to worship you, and we thank you that we're here together, gathered in this place to hear your word. Father, we invite your Holy Spirit into our hearts and our minds, that it would keep us focused, it would keep us sharp, and we ask, Lord, as we read Scripture today, that you would speak to us, and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. So one thing I've I've noticed is, as I've been a Christian for a long time now, you can tell when someone's all in. Can I be honest with you? You can tell when somebody's all in, you can tell when they're not all in. You can tell when someone's all in and they don't understand everything. That's a beautiful thing. It's kind of like, a, a look, God, I don't, I don't know what's happening to me, but I'm going to worship you. I'm going to sing your praises. I'm going to go along with it. And, and that's a beautiful place to be. But, you know, and some of us may be there now, but eventually we kind of grow out of that. And we're still trying to be all in. We're still trying to, you know, unpack everything that God has for us, his will you know, and, and understanding what I'm going to do in my life for God, and you're starting to unpack all that. And I think even as, it doesn't, I don't think it ever stops, I'll be honest with you. So you have to go all in because it's always a process. Even as pastors, we have to go all in, and sometimes we don't understand everything. And so there's a couple examples I can give you, like when you hire a contractor, anybody hired a contractor before? And the, uh, you hire a contractor and, and you have them work on your property, and then you realize that that contractor has other clients, right? Those of you that have done this, you know what I'm talking about. And you're realizing, wait a minute, you tell me you're coming on Tuesday at 11 a.m. and you're not here yet, and all of a sudden you're not, you're looking at this, and you're like, I'm spending a lot of money, but this guy just doesn't seem like he's all in. And so it makes you feel a certain way. It makes you feel like, wait a minute, I feel like I'm getting cheated here. How much more does God feel when you're not all in? Or how about... When you're in a relationship, I'm going to speak to some younger people, some older people as well here. When you're in a relationship and you're talking to somebody, and this isn't re- relationship advice or anything, okay, and you're talking to somebody and you like that person, and you're kind of all in, but they're not all in on you. How does that make you feel, right? It doesn't make you feel very good. I, you know, it's happened to me you know, but I I found my wife, amen, she's beautiful, she's right here, amen, for the past two days, I've been, I've been under the weather, today I feel amazing, Uh, but Sunday and Monday, I was under the weather, my wife took really good care of me, I said, babe, I gotta preach on Wednesday, I said, I I gotta get better, and so she took really good care of me, I love you, honey, thank you so much for helping me out, Um, and I feel amazing tonight, but I remember one time, I'll tell you this story, I think I may have told it before, but one time I was at Ruby's, that restaurant, and I was, I was at Ruby's, and it was like the, in the summertime, and I took the family out, we're going to Ruby's, it was around lunchtime, and it was a good, you know, it was pretty, it was getting pretty warm, like 78, 79 degrees, I remember a beautiful day, not a cloud in the sky, but, you know, if you didn't know anything about me, I don't like insects, I don't get along with them. And they don't normally get along with me either. So when, it, when there's like a spider or something, I get real aggressive. The primal comes out of me. Like I, either my wife's gonna get it or I'm gonna have to get it. And if I get it, I'm gonna break something in the process. Because it just happens. That's, I, I, just get, I just get really anxious around, especially spiders. But anyways, there's another bug that I don't like. It's that beetle that doesn't see anything and it likes to fly around and believe it or not, I get these in front of my house frequently. And I said, God, this, you're testing me or something. So I'll run out of my truck and get in the house because I see them around. But, one, but a couple of them showed up at Ruby's one day and they put us on the patio. And so I remember, you know, we're sitting down and there's a couple of them like flying around. I'm, I'm not enjoying my, my time at Ruby's, you know, two minutes in because I just have anxiety And so they come around, they're coming around, and I I saw somebody kind of grab a, a, uh, they grabbed a a plate and tried to swing at it. And in my head, I'm like, that's a really good idea. If that thing comes near me, I'm going to grab a plate. And sure enough, that thing comes near me, and I grab a plate. And so I go, I'm like, okay, I'm going to get aggressive now. This is it. We're going to do this. And so I grab the plate, and I'm waiting for it, right? And I stand up. And people are standing up. People are scared of it too, so it wasn't just me. <laughs> and I stand up, and, and I literally said, I'm going to knock this thing. I, in my head, I'm, I'm going to knock this thing so hard. I'm going to take the biggest swing I can, I, can, I can give it. But you know what happened? I started thinking about the swing. I started thinking about the impact, and I started to realize, I'm going to feel that thing vibrate on the plate. And so, so it's coming towards me, and I swing at it, and I gave the wimpiest swing. I swung like th- I'm, It's in my left hand now, but I, I literally swung like this. Like, I did a scared swing. You guys ever did like, like, a scared swing? I'm like, I totally missed it, but this is what happened. I did the scared swing. And then I dropped the plate on the floor, and it broke, and everybody was laughing at me. (laughs) Everyone just started laughing. And you know what? I took that swing, and at first I was all in, but then I wasn't. I wasn't all in. I wasn't ready for the impact. I didn't want to feel that impact. I didn't want to feel the impact of of me doing what I thought I was going to do. I don't want to feel that impact. And we have moments of God saying, God, I want to feel you. But then when he comes, you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute, there's accountability here. Wait a minute, there's, I, there, I can't do this anymore. I can't talk to this person anymore. Or wait a minute, I can't, you know, I, you mean I got I to gotta actually come to every service? Or, you no, know, you should want to. Let's just start there. Okay, you should really want to. But you, you, you got to understand. You, you, the impact is coming when you're all in. You have to commit all the way. It's not, it's not just partial. And again, going back to the example of jumping into the pool and diving in. If you've ever, if if you know how to dive, you have to commit all the way. If not, you're gonna belly flop, right? If you're gonna dive, you got to commit all the way. You got to get your whole body up in the air and then go in. And it's the same thing with God. You're not gonna. Honestly, if you don't go all in, you're not going to last very long. If you don't go all in soon, for some of you, if you don't go in all soon, it's never going to happen. And eventually you're going to walk away. It's only when you go all in that you start to see God pour out His holy Spirit on your life. And so to this, mo- this evening, I really want to talk about, I really want to talk about some, some scriptures. Uh, specifically in the Old Testament, but I'm going to read some things beforehand in John chapter 14. In the New Testament, it says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now, this just isn't some kind of love where you're, you're just going to be, oh, I just need to follow the Ten Commandments, and I've been saying this a lot. I'm going to continue to say it. It's not about just following the Ten Commandments and being a good person. That's step, like, point two in salvation. It just doesn't work. It's barely a step. It's just, you just barely, everyone follows the Ten Commandments, and unfortunately, everyone that follows it isn't going to see the kingdom of heaven. It's just not going to happen. Really, the t- what, what, what Christ is saying there is, you need to follow my teachings, my word. You need to follow everything. It's not just one verse that gets you into heaven. It's understanding the complete teachings of Jesus that get you into heaven. And Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, it says, He who loves, fo- loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. In other words, we are not worthy in any aspect We have to put God and Jesus at the forefront in order to be worthy and be in that place with him. See, Jesus is preaching complete rejection of yourself, of your selfishness, of everything that you've had planned in your life. He's saying, reject it. Let me take over. This is being all in. That's a scary, scary thought. Because you've planned your whole life. Some of you have just met Jesus, and you've planned your whole life. You have an exact picture of what your life's going to look like. You know you want the white picket fence. You know what job you want. You know what business you want to start. But guess what? God comes and wrecks all that. He comes and he wrecks it sometimes. And you're saying, this can't be of God because I've wanted this my whole life. And what I'm here to tell you is God is going to wreck some things in your life. He's going to wreck some things. you got to let him kind of take his process and say, you know what, this is not for you. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable acceptable to God, which which is your spiritual worship. In other words, it's a reflex. You just Go. You don't have to understand everything. You don't have to unpack everything. You don't have to read the whole Bible in order to commit your life. You actually just go. You just go. As a matter of fact, Jesus is in the Great Commission is actually a ministry, and it says therefore go. It doesn't say hey hey wait for wait for me let me let me walk you through this first and it, no it's immediate go. You've accepted me now go. And so these commands that Jesus gives us, they shouldn't be taken lightly. Now in the Old Testament, I want to talk about two people today. I want to talk about Elijah and Elisha. Okay, let's not get them confused. Two different people around the same time frame. Both prophets of God. Both served a purpose. But Elijah, we're going to talk about first. Elijah, there was a famine in the land during his time. And he's this prophet of God. So everybody's kind of looking for him and they want to hear from him. But see, God takes care of them. As everyone's kind of starving and going through a hard time, God continues to take care of him. At one point, he tells him, go by the brook, and I want you to go there, and you can can drink there. You can drink the water there, and then I'm going to bring you food. And then what ends up happening is a bunch of ravens start bringing them food. And and God starts taking care of them. But then the brook dries out, and God tells him again, don't worry, I'm going to feed you, I'm going to take care of you. And this is what he says in 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8. It says, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded a widow there to feed you. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Bring me a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to bring it, he called to her and said, bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. That's just a little piece. And she said, as the Lord your God lives, I have nothing baked, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. And now I'm I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and then die. This is awful. So she's expecting to die her and her son this is about to be their last meal let's continue to read in verse 13 it says and elijah said to her do not fear and go and do as have, and do as you have said but first turn to your neighbor and say but first. but first but first make me a little cake of it and bring it to me and afterward i'll make thing, afterward make something for yourself and your son for thus, says the Lord, the God of Israel, the jar of flour shall not be spent, and the jug of oil should not be empty until the day of the Lord sends rain upon the earth. And she went and did as Elijah said, and she and her, her household ate for many days. The jar of flour was not spent, neither did the jug of oil become empty, according to the word of the Lord that was spoken by Elijah. See, what I want you to understand is, faith that is multiplied can't be defeated, It's apparent here that the widow was all in, and Elijah was all in. In other words, God, I know you're going to take care of me. You have this widow waiting for me. I'm going to go find her. He goes. The widow sees this man, doesn't really know who he is, but has all the faith in the world. And says, I'm going to look after him, and I'm going to listen to him. See, these two, when they're both all in, miracles can take place. See, in, in other words, when you're all in, the other thing is too, you put God first. That's why I told you to tell your neighbor, but first. See, but first pretty much meant, look, I know you want to make, make, make some food for you and your son, and this will be your last meal, but first, the priority is me. The priority is this, and if you have the faith to listen to me, in other words, you have the faith to listen to prophets, teachers, pastors, those that govern you in your spiritual life. When you have that, and you, begin to, and you begin to put that first, and you begin to honor that, just like the widow honored the prophet Elijah, miracles take place. But first is basically telling us that all in requires God to be the priority of your life. It's nothing less. In other words, God is First. It's not, hey, God is second. It's, no God is first. That means when you start that business, God is still first. It's not like, well, you know, I have to to do this. Or your NFL team plays early mornings on Sunday. It's not, no, it's, it's not but first my NFL team. It's but first God. It's that but first that really says I am all in. In other words, it's a priority. I'm going to listen. I'm going to listen to the prophet. I'm going to listen to what they said. And it, what ends up happening? The miracle begins to happen. In other words, there was plenty of oil. There was plenty for everything to, come, to, be, to be accomplished, and no longer did the widow have to worry. As a matter of fact, the Bible says she began to feed her whole household until the famine was over, when the rain came. This is the type of power that I'm talking about. And so what I want you to understand this evening that there is power in fulfillment when following the Lord. When you put him all in, when you put him first, there is power and fulfillment. No longer do you have to worry and be confused about what the world throws at you. See, not even COVID or a lockdown can stop the move of God. If anything has proven to you, God began to move. Through this process, people were at home watching online, revival began to take place in homes. And guess what? You're here now. Some of you are here now, and if you look behind you, we're full all the way to the back. In other words, the move of God was not stifled because because faith that is multiplied, faith that is multiplied cannot be defeated. That means when you are praying, and I am praying something good's going to take place. When you're praying and I'm praying, we're going to believe in miracles. When you're praying and I'm praying, we're going to believe that God's going to move. In Jeremiah chapter 32, verse 27, he says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? So again, where is your spiritual reflex? You know, there was times in my life where I needed brothers to lean on. I needed a brother's leader. I know, I know, right? Even when, as a leader, I needed people to lean on. I needed people to lean on. I'm going through dry times. I'm not, I'm not where I need to be. I, I, I needed more of God. I needed to change my attitude. I needed an attitude adjustment. And I had brothers that I would talk to, I would open up to, and do ministry with. But I remember one time, somebody did offend me. And they told me, why are you always hanging around with the same people, and you don't talk to me? And I looked at them. Well, what do you mean? I'd always talk to you. And he said, "Well, you're not. You're not really about the ministry. You're not all in. You're not. You're not about the ministry. You're not. A, you don't want to help me." And I'm like, "Are you serious, right now?" <laughs> Number one, I'm not your genie. And how do you know I can even help you? Are you relying on man for help? What did God tell you to do when you prayed to him? Well, I haven't prayed yet. Well, there's, step, there's strike number one right there. You're waiting for me to pray for you. When you don't realize, you see, in other words, you don't when you have this type of attitude, you don't understand the power of God. You think the power lives inside people. It doesn't live like that. Holy Spirit provides the power. And when people are praying together, there's power in that. So what I, what I said, I, I put it here. What I said was, you know what? You're not a friend to me. That's what I told that person. I said, you didn't ask how I was doing. You didn't ask what I was going through. You're not a friend to me. I said, so I think we're both in error here to some degree. And it's true because we have such expectations with one another. Can I be honest with you, some of us have high expectations for each other. And I love what Pastor Omar says, we need to make allowances for each other. Because we're we're just people. Now we're people that worship God, we're people that follow the Holy Spirit, but we're still people. Your leaders are still people. Your brothers and sisters that worship, that pray, they're going to go through hard times. I'm not exempt and God is not done with me or the pastoral team. Therefore, we have more hard times ahead of us. Nobody's exempt of that. So we have to rely on the power of God to get us through these tough times. And the only way we're gonna do it is when we're both all in. When we're all in as a church, when we're all in worshiping together. That means when one brother is jumping, you're not looking at him saying, look at that brother. Faking it till he makes it. No, you get excited. Or when we have brothers and leaders that preach here, you cheer them on. You don't say, oh, I could do better than that. Oh, that verse doesn't make sense the way they're talking about it. I could do better than that. That attitude needs to leave. That doesn't belong in the church. You, you, you miss something in, in, in Sunday school. You, you, it just, you, you actually probably didn't read this thing because there's a bunch of failures in the patriarchs here in the Old Testament that are documented. And it's supposed to remind us that people are real people. That people make mistakes. So we need the power of God. And it's only gonna happen when we're praying together and it builds that community. See, I want, honestly, I want friendships when people say look i am a christian you know i don't need this friendship you're examining your friendships i want friendships and i want friendships even outside the church in other words i want god to be such a source i want to be all into him that i'm not worried about my friends outside of church i'm not worried that they're going to influence me you need to be the influencer And so I think sometimes we say, well, I don't need this relationship. Like, no, what you need to do is take a step back, but don't drop anybody off in the process. You say, no, I'm not doing that anymore. Call me when you're ready to go to church. Don't call me when you want to go do this. I'm not doing that anymore. Very simple words, but have a powerful meaning. I'm not doing that anymore with you. I've changed. I don't want to do it anymore. Call me a different time. I'll be at church on Sunday. I'll be at prayer on Saturday. I don't want to do that anymore. I think we get distracted, church. I think all in, we just get distracted. Because, you know, we could be all in. Say, hey, uh, this week or for the month of February, I'm all in. Then March rolls around and you're like, man, I might lose my job. I might, you know, so much for being all in, right? It's just like you're just worried about things that God says, hey, this is no big deal. I'm going to take care of you. But we get distracted, and it reminds me of just like the prophet of Baal. If you guys know the story about the prophet of Baal, Elijah, he's combating this, he's trying to tell people about God, and everybody wants to worship Baal. The funny thing about Baal is he's never done anything. Kind of like social media, it doesn't do anything for you. But you'll still read it before you go to bed, instead of reading the word of God. But what what Elijah ends up doing is the people are worshiping Baal and so Elijah has kind of a face-off with them. Like if Baal's real, what I want you to do is I want you to scorch the altar. Have Baal scorch the altar. I'm gonna put, you're gonna put your altar over here, I'm gonna put mine over here. And what I want you to do is I want you to pray to Baal and tell him to light this altar on fire. And so they're praying and it's funny because they're praying and they're praying. And, and honestly, Elijah's given them a lot of time to pray. And I think it was like several days. I'm paraphrasing the whole thing. But it was like several days, right? And the scripture says this in 1 Kings 18. It says, oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no answer. And so what Elijah starts to do, he, he, he gets kind of, he does a shimmy a little bit. And he says, you know what? Go ahead and pour water on my altar. Go ahead and put a little water there. Go ahead and put a little, and you know what Elijah starts to do? He starts to pray. And the Bible says in, in, I believe, 2 Kings 18, or 1 Kings 18, immediately, immediately a fire came down and lit that altar and scorched and dried up all the water. And he's sitting there telling them, my God is real. Look at the power that he displayed. And again, theirs was, oh Baal, answer us. But there was no answer. See, we're looking for things. We're looking for answers in the wrong place. And it's because you're not all in. If you're looking for answers, and you read the word of God. If you're looking for answers, and you go talk to a leader or a pastor. If you're looking for answers, you're, you're looking in the wrong place sometimes. There's another story about Elisha. He went to this place called Shunem, okay? And he met. And what he would do is he would... Uh, he would, he would go there frequently, and this woman, this Shunammite woman, actually saw him. And she would always see him do the same thing. As he would travel through this town, she would see Elisha, and she realized that he had nowhere to sleep. So what she did was she was very wealthy. So she tells her husband, look, this is what I want to do for the man of God. I want to make sure you, that extra room we got upstairs, I want to put a lamp there, I want to put a table chair and a bed there. I'm going to make it for him. And so that way when he comes back into town, I'm going to invite him over. There's some serious honor happening here. I hope you're catching this. In other words, she's play, she is going to invite him over and he could stay there. Now watch what happens. Watch the blessing that begins to take place in 2 Kings chapter 4. It says, one day he came there, this is Elisha, and he turned into the chamber and rested there. And he said to Gehazi, his servant, call the Shunammite. When he had called her, she stood before him, and he said to him, Say now to her, see, you have taken all this trouble for us. What is it to be done for you? Would you have a word spoken on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the army? She, said, she answered, I dwell among my own people. And he said, What then is to be done for her? Gehazi answered, Well, she has no son, and her husband is old. He said, Call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And he said, at this season, about this this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, O man of God, do not lie to your servant. But the woman conceived and she bore a son. About that time, the following spring, as Elijah has said to her. And it's because of the honor that she displayed. The fact that she was all in, immediately you could see that she wanted a son. The scriptures were very clear about that, and it implied that she wanted a son. But she was being humble, and she's saying, no, I don't need anything. I don't need anything. And he goes, yes, you do. What is it? What is it that you need? And he kept prying. And Gehazi said, well, I'll tell you what. She she doesn't have a son. She wants to bore a son. And then he gives her a word. The prophet gives her a word, and she bears that son. But it doesn't stop there. Look what else happens In 2 Kings chapter 4, it says, When the child had grown, he went out one day to his father among the reapers. And he said to his father, Oh, my head, my head, the father said to his servant, carry him to his mother. And when he had lifted him and brought him to his mother, the child sat on her lap till noon, and then he died. What an awful scene. This son that God gave her has passed away, no longer alive. As a matter of fact, that son passed away in her arms. As she was holding that son, it passed away. You could probably understand the pain. Remember what she said earlier, oh Lord, no, 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 no. Don't say that and bring lies to me. So now this feeling of bitterness can creep in. When you say, God, why did you give me this blessing? This is exactly why I didn't want it. Verse 21 says, and she went up and laid laid him on the bed of the man of God. And shut the door behind him and went out. Then she called to her husband and said, send me one of the servants and one of the donkeys that I may go quickly go to the man of God and come back again. And he said, why will you go to him today? It is neither new moon nor Sabbath. She said, all is well. In other words, she's gonna go find the prophet. My son is dead. But I'm still gonna go look for a miracle. Verse 24 says, then she saddled the donkey and she said to her servant, urge the animals on. Do not slack the the pace for me unless I tell you. So she set out and came to the the man of God in Mount Carmel. So she finds him. But her son's already dead. But she finds him. She goes seeking for him. As a matter of fact, she finds him in kind of an odd time. She said, why don't you, her husband said, why don't you just wait? Wait, 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 wait till the Sabbath. No, 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 no. You remember, but first? Do you remember, but first? When you're all in, what is the priority? The miracle. God is the priority. The miracle is the priority. In other words, it doesn't matter what culture is trying to tell you that maybe you should wait. No, 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 no. You go. You go, because that's the command, is go. Our God likes to tell us to go. Our God wants to see the faith. Our God wants to see our action in that faith. It's not about I'm just gonna wait for a miracle. No, you be persistent in that. So she finds him. Let me paraphrase this. So she finds him. But then Elisha says, Gehazi, you know that staff you got? Go ahead and and, and get and, and go ahead and take that staff or take this staff. And go, go get that boy and go pray for him with that staff. And so the Bible says he kind of went, but it didn't work. So the miracle didn't happen. It didn't work with Gehazi. I don't know why. The Bible doesn't really say why. But could it be that he maybe lacked a little bit of faith? He had a little bit of doubt. So it didn't work. So what ends up happening, they said, let's go back. So they go back. They find Elisha. They said, hey, It doesn't, it didn't work. The staff, the staff thing doesn't work, man. It didn't work. And, and he's like, okay, check this out. Elisha just immediately, the Bible says he didn't ask any questions, he just goes. And this is what it says in 2 Kings chapter 4. It says, when Elisha came into the house, he saw the child laying dead on his bed. So he went in and shut the door behind them. And the two of them prayed to the Lord. Then he went up and lay on the child, putting his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. I know it's a weird scene. It's very weird. I, have, I can't even expound on this. But he's literally on top of this child. And he's doing something a little abnormal. And he's, and he's, he's right, face to face with the child. The Bible says eye to eye, mouth to mouth. And this is what happens. And as he stretched himself upon him, the flesh of the child became warm. Then he got up again and walked once back and forth in the house and went up and stretched himself upon him again. So he's not giving up. The child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. Then he summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. So he called her and when she came to him, he said, pick up your son. She came and fell at his feet, bowing to the ground. Then she picked up her son and went out. That's what all in is about. See, all in means never stop believing. All in is faith with persistence. It's almost stupid. Like, I'm not gonna stop praying. Okay, that's fine. Even when it looks grim. Even when you don't get the report you wanted to get. You keep praying. And that's what happened here. Elisha just kept praying. He kept pushing forward. It means never stop believing. Even when the enemy pushes a circumstance on you, then you push back in faith. It's not because, oh, well, the world is telling me this. No, but God says something different. See, when you are all in, you actually speak a different language. And you're probably like, what, I do? Yeah, you do. When God starts to pour his spirit out on you, the Holy Spirit makes you sensitive to the things of God. The Holy Spirit makes you sensitive to God's voice, sensitive to what God has planned for your life, so you find your purpose. A lot of us don't have purpose in here. We don't know what it is. But when God begins to pour his spirit on you because you're all in, you start to get purpose. You start your your, your, your spiritual senses are heightened. You can walk into a room and understand something's not right here. It's called discernment. Bible talks about it. The Holy Spirit begins to heighten your senses to that, to the things of God. And so when you have that and you begin to push back on that, that's the language you're speaking. In other words, yes, I got a bad report from the doctor, but my God says something different. Yeah, I didn't have the right circuit. I didn't get the answer I wanted. I didn't get that raise. I didn't get that that promotion at work because God has something different. That's being all in. Being all in isn't, well, God, it didn't go the way I planned it or the way I thought you were going to do it. Therefore, I'm backing off a little bit. I'm not going to do this stuff anymore. I'm not going to worship you like I used to anymore. See, determination is a byproduct of your faith in Christ. It's really that ruler, that measurement. Persistence is that standard. How tough are you spiritually? Or how weak are you? The moment the devil pokes you, you get all scared. And and you start to think, oh my god, the devil's got a stronghold on my life. Really? It was that easy? It was that simple. Little temptation, you start to run towards it. The first opportunity someone slides into your DMs, you're gonna go ahead and reply back, like everything. Oh yeah, this is normal. If no one slid into your DMs for two years and then someone finally did, (laughs) go look in the mirror. That should tell you something. Maybe the enemy's crouching at the door or something. Maybe she ain't the one, brother. It happens. It happens. That friend request, you probably shouldn't accept. Well, I accept all of them. Well, why are you doing that? Where's the protection in that? Where's the holiness in that? You want everyone looking at your stuff on Instagram and you're trying to get as many likes as possible? God likes you, that's the one like you need. You know, I I imagine as Elisha is is stretching himself on this child that that is lifeless, and it's just a depiction of God just laying into us. And breathing life into us. It says this, and Job says this. It's interesting interesting vocabulary here. In Job chapter 27, verse 3, it says, As long as my breath is in me, and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils. It's, it's not a foreign understanding that God is that important. Even early on in, in, in Scripture, we're learning Job. It, it, God is just as important as the oxygen that you breathe. It's inhaling the spirit of God, bringing life to the body and the soul. Not just satisfying the body, but satisfying the soul. And that's what it is. It's it's God literally breathing life into us, just like he breathed life into Adam and Eve. It's that same breath that gives you life. But listen, you have to be able and willing to breathe it in. It's not going to be the second nature thing. When you're all in, you have to force yourself. I need more of this. That's why we tell you, go to prayer. That's why we tell you, read God's scriptures. Go to RBI starting April, April 11th. All right? We tell you these things because we're not going to be fishing for you. I'm not going to be in your life forever. Life happens. God happens. It's just not going to happen. All this right here, your friendships in five years, pray for each other. Because we don't know what God is going to take us, you know, where we're going to be. We don't know what's going to happen because God, if we're all in for him, he's all in for us. It's, It's simultaneous. And so when you're all in for him, he's all in on you. He sees it, he's like, this person's all in for me. I'm gonna go all in for them. Isaiah chapter 42, verse five says, thus says the Lord, the Lord who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and what comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk in it. All in. See, breath is a supply. But we want that spiritual, that spiritual supply. That one that Job talks about in the nostrils. Breathing it in. Say, I want that. Not only do I want the oxygen, but Lord, I want your spirit. Lord, I'm looking for body and soul enrichment. I'm looking for complete fulfillment. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 19, we see that Paul has that. His attitude, his vocabulary, the way he starts to write these scriptures. Says, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be... and convinced of this i know that i will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in christ jesus because of my coming to you again when you're all in you will when you're all in you're going to you're going to pass up some treasures I feel like Paul's praying to God here. It's one of my favorite scriptures because I feel like the way he's talking in his prayer is like, God, I really want to be with you. I'm in prison. It's a prison letter, but I want to be with you. This life is miserable, but I want to be with you. And then I I feel like he heard from God in the middle of his prayer, but he says, but I get it. I'm going to stay here so I can continue the work. In other words, it's worth waiting for. I'm going to continue to work. I'm going to continue to do the ministry because it's worth it. It's worth it because I know that I will get there because it, I'm going to continue on in the ministry and I can't wait to be with you. See, Paul has the Spirit of God poured all over him in that scripture and it's giving truth to how much more our lives. See, being all in means God is ready to pour out his spirit on you. But you have to be willing to accept it. We have to be willing to put down the distractions. You have to be willing to just say, you know what, I'm gonna spend time with you and actually make some efforts to change some things in your household, to change some things in your life to make that time spend time with him read the word have some goals of what you're going to read or what you want to understand more of and I'm talking about reading scripture I'm not talking about well I'm going to read this book about from this famous author that comes out next week I'm going to tell you right now if you don't know scripture you shouldn't be reading any other books you're not ready for those yet you need to know your bible before you start reading those books I've met people that read some heavy theological books, and they they took that as truth, theory. Theory, that is theory. That's what's written there. It's dissertation. It's not truth. You know what truth is? It's this, something that withstands the test of time. This is truth. Historical documentation. Oldest living history book right here. This is truth. Other history books reference it, but yet we don't read it. We'd rather read something else so it could spoon-feed us a theory. A theory. Now, I'm not putting down authorship or reading extra-biblical activity or anything like that. I read extra-biblical activity, but what I'm saying is you better be reading that first. That should be the first book you pick up. The second book is to edify you and say, okay, this is to learn more about the scriptures, to guide you. Absolutely. Leadership books, praise God. But you need to know this leadership book right here. See, Leonard Ravenhill says this: he says, Entertainment is the devil's substitute for joy. I understand the Bible isn't always entertaining, but it's not supposed to be. If it's truth and an historical document. It's not there to entertain you. I've had young people in the Lord tell me, hey, can you recommend something cool to read? And I said, read Leviticus. And so they'll go and read Leviticus, and I go, what did you think of that? They go, I don't understand it. I go, well, isn't it cool? Didn't you learn about the spices and the herbs that they gotta burn in the urn and stuff? The Levitical laws, did you learn them? You're like, yeah, this isn't that cool. I said, let me tell you something. The Bible isn't always that cool. But now I'm going to give you something really cool to read. Read the New Testament. Read about Jesus. That guy's pretty cool. Read about his teachings. So you, and, and, and I think we, get, we forget that Christ's teachings are so timeless. As he begins to talk in parables, tell stories. You know, but really what we're looking for is, is to satisfy the soul. And so Leonard Ravenhill also said this. He said, a man may study because his brain is hungry for knowledge. Even Bible knowledge. But he prays because his soul is hungry for God. Are you hungry for God? See, what I'm, what I'm talking about today is, I'm talking about power and fulfillment in your life. And I know a lot of people walk into this church, and for the first time they feel Fulfillment. They see power, and that's because they go all in. And you may be out there, and you're probably like, I don't know what this is, and that's okay. But I'm going to tell you this, that what's written in the the holy book, the teachings of Christ, bring you power and fulfillment in your life. What more do you need? The power to overcome every circumstance and deal with it. And I want to make this clear. It's not that, hey, God, I want so much favor that nothing bad ever happens to me. No, it's different than that. See, what, ha- what ends up happening is you go through storms, but you know exactly how to get through it. That way, when life throws a circumstance at you, you know exactly how to get through it. That means when you're going through a circumstance, you call your brother and your sister And you say, look, I need to pray with you. Why? Because it's persistent faith. And when prayer is multiplied, God begins to go all in on you. And so this is what I wanted to talk about tonight. When he's all in, when you're all in on him, that fulfillment starts to creep in. And you realize, you know what? I can do everything through Christ who strengthens me. You know and I'm going through this circumstance, but I could still lift my hands. You know, this depression, I'm, God is doing something to me. This anxiety, God is really, He's calming me. The Word is calming me. Again, it's not that you're going to be absolved from any hard times, but you're going to see God's glory in those hard times. David said this one time I'm just going to read it to you you don't have to put it up there for the sake of time he says I saw the Lord always before me for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced my flesh also will dwell in hope for you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption you have made known to me the paths of life you will make me full of gladness with your presence. Some of you are probably like, I don't understand that. Why is he so happy? It's because there's fulfillment. That same power and that same feeling that David is going through in that scripture I just read to you can be inside you. It's the same thing that can be inside every single one of you. Even in the midst of turmoil, even in the midst of a bad report,